Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chad, or Chatty, if you're my friend, or you want to be my friend, or you're not sure, you can call me either. I just want to welcome you to uh, the first Sunday of Advent, where we enter into this space, this time, this season, where we look back, everyone say look back, and we celebrate and we reflect and meditate on the first appearing of Jesus Christ our Lord when he came as an infant baby boy from the line of David, the seed of Abraham, fulfilling 300 plus prophetic promises from a thousand or so years before, hundreds of years before. So we look back and we celebrate that Jesus has come, amen. We celebrate what his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection mean for our lives today and not just our lives, but for all of creation, all of humanity. So we look back. But also, uh, as I've been reflecting and waiting and just preparing for this series on grace appearing, I've also important this season is for us to look forward. Everyone say, look forward. That even as Christ has come, the Bible says over and over and over to deal with sin the first time. He will come not to bear sin, but to bring salvation for all of those who wait for him. So Advent is this season between appearings. That between his first appearing, life, death, ministry, resurre death, resurrection, and his ascension, now we wait for Christ's second appearing. How many know that Jesus Christ will in fact come again and reign and rule on a renewed creation with redeemed humanity as his image bearers. This is our great hope. The Bible calls this age or this season the last times or the end of the age. That with the dawning of grace, the first time that Christ appeared and his saving work on the cross we are left in between the appearings today. How will we respond? How will we live? How will the, the life-giving message and transforming, redeeming power of the Holy Spirit, how will it shape us in such a way to look forward to the day when he comes to make all things new? Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I hated hearing sermons about the last times mostly because of terrible theology in Hollywood and taking cherry-picking verses, but anytime I heard things about the end times or the last times, I would get nervous and freak out and just run to the altar no matter what the topic of the sermon was. I feared any trumpet or sound of fearing, was it a train or was it the trumpet? Crummy Christian books and crummy Christian movies do not help us as they depict end times as something to be afraid of instead of something to be embraced, realizing that with the dawning of these last days, there is unprecedented access to grace that can redeem and transform your life. We've, we've woefully underestimated what these last times are all about. When grace appeared in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The great prophetic hope, I don't have time to read all of the passages, but throughout scriptures that one day God would come. That the exodus from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the giving of the Torah, 
the feeding of manna and quail and water from the rock, the establishing of the temple in Jerusalem, then exile. The great hope all along was that God would show up one day and definitively overthrow death, sin, and all of its friends. Over and over and over, the prophets ached and longed. Those who were recipients of the Spirit and messages from God's heart for God's people. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise that I have made. Amen. And in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. And he will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord, our righteous Savior. So, beloved, today we're going to look at the grace that saves us. This anchor piece, if you want to study and just get busy studying Titus chapter 2. I've been reading Titus a lot this week. But Titus 2, 11 through 14 is going to be this passage we're going to look at for four weeks from different angles. In this first week, I want, to, I want us to unpack the implications for the grace of God that saves us. How many are thankful for the grace of God that saves us? And one of my hopes today is that you and I would begin to think less grace as a theoretical abstraction or this big doctrinal dogma Bible word and way more as God's personal empowering presence right in the midst of our life. Did you know that grace is not something that God does? Grace is something that He is. Amen. The grace of God isn't something you just, oh, here's a little bit of grace, a little bit of my favor, a little bit of my love. No, grace always comes attached to His personal presence. We see this in the life and ministry of Jesus. Read that verse with me. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all. Is that good news or what? Now, I like Bible verses that include things like all and every. I don't know about you. That what Advent celebrates this season of between this, the times of the first appearing and the second appearing is that in this space, God is offering life, healing, forgiveness, and wholeness to all people. Someone say amen. In these last days, beloved, we are to experience God's powerful grace that saves us. Now, did grace all of a sudden just get invented when Christ appeared? Yes or no? No. There was grace. God, again, it's who God is. It's his loving, empowering presence. But here's what the scriptures say. With the dawning of the first appearing of Christ, read this, I'll read this out loud. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. You see how Paul locates grace in Jesus. Everyone say grace is a person and his name is Jesus. It will help you if you read your Bible, you start thinking person instead of theoretical, theological abstraction. The grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time. But it is now, here's, here it is, it's been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. And when grace appeared, what happened to death? He has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Beloved, make no mistake about it. Even though you get emails and you're bombarded with 
believing different theories or ideas about what this season entails or what it's all about. This season is about God fulfilling his promises by sending his son to rescue and save humanity. Period. To heal us, to forgive us, and to bring us back into right relationship with himself. Did you know that history is going somewhere? Did you know that even though you and I, it's, I make a bad practice sometimes before I open my Bible, I open the news on my phone and I quickly regret it. Am I talking to anyone today? Because the, the, the news cycle seemingly shows a picture of history and the future that is spinning out of control with no one at the center calling the shots. But it's during Advent that we realize there is one who is calling the shots at the center of history, at the center of all creation, the one who is governing things and who is aligning things and he's empowering a people to participate in a kind of life that bears witness to what life looks like when he's in charge. It's called the kingdom. History's going somewhere. Did you know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and all of their vast array? And on the seventh day he rested. Did you know that God has a plan for the universe and his creation and his image bearers? And that's to know him, to love, and to treasure a relationship with him. And then out of that relationship, to bear witness to his purposes in every endeavor we undertake. Our relationships, friendships, marriages, how we work, how we play, how we spend our resources. Every part of our life, from God's perspective, is an opportunity to show off who he is and what he's like. At the very heart of creation, he creates humanity. That's you, and that's me. Uniquely to participate in relationship, friendship, communion with himself. He breathes his spirit into a clump of dirt and out pops a human that bears the image of the almighty God. We were quickly confronted in this story that the fruit of giving the image bearers the ability to choose, to have a volition, is that humans are really good at choosing the wrong thing. Can I get an amen? And the reality of sin, the reality of choosing what we deem is best instead of what God says is best, always ends in death, as is evidenced by the very first sibling rivalry that ended in death. Now, I don't know about if you fought. Anyone have siblings in here? My brother and I had a built-in rule that you don't hit in the face. I, I don't know why. Maybe because he was three inches taller and 100 pounds heavier. But we just had a rule. But how many know that when we go naming good and evil, it's always at the expense of our brother's life. And the image bearers did not so much resemble their good creator. And the once amazing relationship that Adam and Eve shared with God was marred and broken. But God in his mercy and kindness did not give up on the human project. Someone say amen. amen. <laughs> he forms a nation from Abraham. He sets his affection upon them, not because they're big, strong, impressive, or mighty, so everyone should take a deep breath. God doesn't choose you because all of those huge criteria that the world uses, he chooses you because he loves you. That makes me happy. He forms a nation, and he says, through you guys, what I wanted to do through Adam, I'm now going to do through you. I want you to go out, being my peculiar people that Pastor Andrew talked about, those who are given over to my purposes, 
And you and me, together in relationship, are going to show the world what life living fully is all about. He wanted to display to the world what a living, vibrant relationship with God was all about. But time and again, they failed, like you and I, we failed to live out of our chosenness. So God raised up prophets. How many have ever read the prophets in the Old Testament? They were crazy, they wore crazy things, they did crazy things. Their life, many times, was the prophetic message God was trying to give to his people. How many know that sin is really good at clouding our vision and our perspective? So he would send these spirit crazy prophets to speak messages from God. And by and large, their message usually revolved around this one little thing called repent. Turn from your wickedness. Come back into faithfulness. Come back to walking with God. You didn't overthrow the nations because you were big or strong, but because God was with you. You were not formed as a people because of your pedigree or your talent or your ability, but because God is a God of love who chose you for a specific purpose and plan. So he gave them prophets. How many are thankful for the prophetic ministry? We need sometimes our bell to be rung. Come on, who needs a friend sometime to ring your bell? They say, dude, wake up. Turn back to God. He also gave them priests, those who were representatives of God on their behalf, those who would mediate his plans and his purposes, those who would, through the sacrificial system, would take care of sin so that they could live in close proximity to the Lord. And then on occasion, like four out of 25, he gave them a decent king. Most of the time, the king forgot whose kingdom it was, and so there you go. And the story has been one of God not giving up on people, but of continually pursuing people so that he could save them. Advent reminds us that God is so vested in the human project, in his creation, that he deems no card, he deems that that there's nothing, there's no link to which he's not willing to go to restore and rescue and to salvage what he set out to do in the garden. Hebrews 1 sums this up amazingly. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. I love this verse. Look at this. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Have you ever played the game telephone? Raise your hand. How does it usually work? There's usually some dude in the circle or some girl. The game telephone, it's you sit in a circle with a bunch of friends. Maybe you're not friends. Maybe it's just a bunch of people you found randomly. And you pick with one person with a word or a phrase in their head, and the goal is to whisper it into the ear of the next person and the next person. And the goal is that the person who's sitting next to the person who originated the word, once it goes all the way around the circle, they're supposed to say, hey, what was the word that I said at the beginning? And what usually happens 99.9% of the time? Somebody messed up the message along the way. Some do it because they're that person. You know what I'm saying by that person? Somehow the love message, the message that God 
had spoken in creation, the, the message that he spoke in vesting himself in image-bearing people, humans. The message that he spoke when he gave humans authority to govern and to guide all of creation towards God, redemptive purposes and plans. That message has been the same message he's been speaking from the beginning. Just around the circle, the message hasn't gotten to us. But it's, it's as if throughout the ages, through the giving of the law, through the giving of the prophets and the prophetic tradition to call God's people back to faithfulness and through the, the priestly ministry and through the occasional decent king, over and over and over God has been speaking around the circle trying to communicate his heart to us that I want to save you if you'll let me. And I don't want to just rescue you once, I want to rescue you every moment of every single day. If you will allow the message to sink in and you'll respond to my grace. But, when Jesus became the message of God, when God, when the Bible says that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, God no longer was going around the circle or the chain of regular chain of communication. God broke into the circle and said, enough guessing, this is exactly what I'm like. Imagine the game of telephone. You say the word to your friend to your left. You say, they say the word to the friend to their left. But eventually, the person who started it says, I know all of you are going to mess it up. Enough guessing of what my intentions are and what my purposes are and my plans and what my heart is. When God speaks through Jesus, he doesn't speak around a circle. He breaks the circle and says, stop. This is what my intention is for humanity and all of creation. To save you, to heal you. All of these various ways, all of the ways he's spoken, Jesus does not debunk those or somehow leave those behind, but Jesus fulfills all of the prophetic promises in his life and ministry. And in these last days, God has broken through our confusion, through our sin. God has broken through our rebellion. God has broken through our deafness and our dullness. And he says, this is who I am and this is what I've come to do. If you've seen me, you have seen what God is like. For in Christ, all of the fullness of God lives in bodily form. And we all said, amen. Throughout the New Testament, this pinnacle of truth that God is like Jesus is almost most powerfully displayed in the passage we have in Hebrews 3. Look at this language. The, the metaphor that Hebrews is using here, that the Son is the exact representation or imprint of his being. Here's the metaphor that the writer of Hebrews is using. How many have ever seen a coin maker or a stamp, something that hits metal? The metaphor here that Hebrews is using is that of a stamp used to make a coin. The stamp contained the image or the inscription, and it was used to press down on the soft metal so that the coin would give the exact impression of the stamps, like our coins today. Well, in Jesus, we find that the stamp, God the Father, is pressed down onto the coin of Jesus' humanity. And that coin, Jesus, gives the exact impression of what God is like. Or as one commentator puts it, the exact imprint of the Father's nature and glory have been precisely reproduced in the soft metal of the Son's human nature. Isn't that pretty? This is, of course, why the Son belongs to a category all his own. 
And this is why the writer of Hebrews in all of the New Testament places Jesus above the angels, above Moses, above the priesthood, above the old covenant, above the blood of bulls and goats, above even all of the heroes of the faith, that Jesus alone is reserved the highest seat of honor and glory. Unlike the prophets that God spoke to through, through for hundreds of years throughout Israel's up and down history, the prophets would point away from themselves. This is what God will eventually do when he shows up to save. Jesus, unlike them, can say, this is what God is about to do. Look and experience the grace that's flowing through my life. This is why, of course, the Pharisees were constantly looking to get rid of Jesus because of statements like this. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. That'll get you in trouble, by the way. Jesus is what God is like. Jesus is God. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus famously locates dynamics of God's saving power by these seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. Are you hungry today? Jesus can nurture and nourish your soul. Are you in darkness? Jesus is the light of the world. His light is greater than your darkness. Jesus is the gate. Do you find yourself far from God and in your sin you feel like there's no way? He's the gate that has been opened to humanity if you would but come and respond to his grace. Do you find yourself wandering in a wilderness today? He's the good shepherd that goes after you to bring you into his fold. Do you find yourself in sickness or battling for your life, either literally or in the spirit? He is the resurrection and the life, that death is not final if your life is found in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. Jesus is what God is like. And God is our Savior. One more verse. Maybe. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who himself is God. And he's in the closest relationship with the Father. And he has made him known. And we all said amen. We're no longer waiting for another mediator or another messenger to show up, to show us who God is or what he's like or what he demands the grace of God, Titus 2.11, has appeared. Everyone say appeared. And at his appearing, he's offered all of humanity the opportunity to experience salvation. We're not waiting any longer. In this waiting season, we're not waiting to see who God is or how he's revealed himself. We've seen that in Jesus. Jesus has provided purification for our sins, and he's now seated at God's right hand. Now, why is purification for sins important? Someone help me out. Because sin is opposed to God's intention for his world and for his people. Remember a couple weeks ago when we were in our peace series, I loved one theologian called sin as the vandalism on God's shalom. Jesus had to provide the means through which the world could be made new that humanity could be born again and transformed into the likeness and the image of the one who created us for himself. I love this verse. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ, look at this, to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There is nothing now from heaven's perspective because of the grace that has appeared in Jesus that stands a chance if you bring it before the Lord that God's grace cannot break through and heal and restore and rescue. Jesus is the one who has fully related to us in his humanity so that you and I could be transformed in our humanity. He loves us. And he gave himself for us, laying down his life to forgive us of our sins and empower us to live a brand new life. Beloved, there's no one like Jesus. Why does Hebrews go to such lengths to say after he did this purification work on the cross that he sat down? Well, those who sit down are communicating something very powerful. My work here is done. It is finished. My work on the cross, the reason I was born and came into the world to offer grace that saves all people who receive the good news of the gospel, I sat down because my sacrifice was sufficient and perfect once and for all. So he sat down. It is finished. Why would God... Why do people communicate to one another? If God has spoken through his grace that has appeared in Jesus and God has spoken through his son, why do we talk to each other? To make ourselves known. To be vulnerable. To invoke and invite into relationship. God has been communicating from the beginning. And God is a communicator by nature because God wants a relationship with you and with me. We communicate in hopes that the one we're communicating with will return the favor. Has anyone tried to talk to a two or a three-year-old? It is so fun. I have two that talk really well, one that's learning to talk, which is a journey. But it's so fun when they can respond, when they can reciprocate, when I'm talking when we talk to our kids or our friends and they respond. God is speaking even now through his son, Jesus. We find that in Jesus, God has laid all of his cards on the table. And he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And my question today in this first Sunday of Advent, the grace that has appeared to save us, is have you responded to the saving work of the Son, Jesus Christ? Have you experienced the cleansing of your sin? Have you allowed the word of his power to remove the barriers and the obstacles in your heart between you and God or you and those and around you that you love? Have you discovered what it is to rest from your own striving and ceasing, and instead to rest in the perfect work of Jesus Christ? Are you experiencing that vibrant life that Jesus modeled for us and invites us into by his spirit? Well, the good news of Advent, and one thing that you do not have to wait for, is you can experience that grace today. Yes, salvation has past implications, 
Yes, salvation has present implications and future, but he can deal with your past with one word of forgiveness. He can fill your present with his power and his presence. And because of what he did for you, for your past and what he's doing for you today, you can be confident that he who began a good work in you will finish what he started. Today, God is still speaking through his boy. And the warning over and over from Scripture and throughout all of Israel's history is that if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you hear the communication of God speaking to you through his son today, don't say, oh, maybe I'll respond next week or maybe I'll get around to it when I feel like responding. Respond by putting your trust in the Lord. Respond by acknowledging that the grace that appeared in Jesus is a grace that is sufficient to save your life. John tells us in 1 John 5, this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith in him. The good news is good news, amen? But it's only good news for you if you respond. Look at this verse, to the good news. We've all had the gospel preached to us just as they did, referring back to Israel's story. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Isn't that a sobering verse? That the good news is preached. The good news is being preached throughout the airwaves, throughout the apps, throughout television, throughout the internet, throughout podcasts, throughout songs. But the good news is only good news for you if you respond to it in faith. And my favorite definition of faith by far is by a guy named Gordon Smith. Faith is the act of trust, of turning from your self-dependence to dependence on God. To turn from a life oriented towards self to the one that is turned toward God. Faith means nothing, I love it, if it doesn't represent this radical turning. In other words, Repentance. Have you turned, have you responded to the offer of grace and salvation that Christ has come to give? I want you to know today that you can. You can respond. You can know what life is all about by knowing firsthand God through Jesus in the power of the Spirit. I love this invitation verse. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Is that good news to anybody today? That every time the word of the gospel goes forth, that God has defeated sin, has purchased our salvation, has rescued us through his cross, has been risen proving his triumph over sin, hell, death, and the grave, and is now inviting all of humanity, every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, to respond to his offer of grace, to be rescued from their sin, rescued from their choices that continue to spin them off in patterns of death and decay, and to turn instead to the one who is life. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. I like words like everyone 
and all. The bummer is, most of us think when we read Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. We think that that salvation only has to do with our future way out there. But the good news of the gospel is that he wants to save us right here and right now, every day, all day, throughout the day. If you think of his grace as his personal presence, that means his personal presence, the Holy Spirit, wants to perpetually save you from death all day, every day. He wants to not only just help you get by and escape the final judgment, he wants you to experience the fullness of God's kingdom life right here, right now today today if you hear his voice don't harden your hearts and my hunch is that many of us have responded someday back in the past and then today we consider ourselves saved but we've not continued to respond to his voice that says i'll save you if you'll let me i didn't want to just save you back there for someday over there I want to show up in power in your life today and every day. I want a relationship with you. My grace has appeared to change your life forever. So how will you respond? I love John. He says, all who look to the sun will live. <laughs> who thinks that's pretty good theology? <laughs> the Bible just says it point blank. Look to me and live. And then ask me to do a Holy Spirit neck surgery that just breaks your, so that you just live by looking at me. <laughs> so that you can just keep on living. <laughs> And experiencing the life I came to give you. Could you stand up with me? Ask Leah to come and just play on the keys for a minute. The offer is on the table. salvation to all people through the grace of God. Who wants to respond to the offer and say, I'll have what he's offering. <laughs> so just respond right now. Just take a minute. Allow God to speak his son, the truth of his son to your heart by his spirit. Say, Lord, speak the word of cleansing. Speak the word of forgiveness. Speak the word of rescue. Speak the, the word of deliverance. Speak the word that says, I'm not a helpless, hopeless case, that I'm your son and your daughter, that you're not giving up on. Lord, speak the word that says, my sin is not the final part of my story, but grace is rewriting my story. God, I pray that the grace of God that appeared 2,000 some years ago would again break into this space and this place. And that the offer of salvation would be resoundingly responded to with a big old yes. Those who look to the Son will live. 
those who respond in faith, that turning from self and sin and a turning towards the God who says, come, I want to stuff your life with my life if you'll give me yours in exchange. Lord, I pray for every one of your sons and daughters in this place to respond now, to respond to the offer of salvation. God, we thank you that salvation, that you deal with our past. How many are thankful that he's forgiven the sins of our youth? Come on, I am. That salvation has past implications. How many are thankful that right here, right today, whatever you're facing, his saving grace has power to show up and to change the game, whatever you're facing? And how many are thankful that he who began a good work will finish the work he started, that he will save us in the end by his powerful grace and love? As Leah plays, we're doing really great on time, very, very good on time. If you want to come to the altar, we don't do it often, but if you want to respond to the grace of God, if you want Him to save your life, if you're going through something and you need, you need God's grace to appear in powerful ways this morning, maybe you're suffering, maybe you're going through something, you have no way how to get through, I want you to know the grace of God is here. The grace of God has appeared. So come, just as, as Leah sings over us and as we respond, just for a minute or two, if you want someone to pray with you, come on up, you guys. And, prayer team if I could have you come, ministry team, and let's just respond to his grace just for a minute. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Mm. Can we read this together on the screen? This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Would you go in the grace that Jesus is and that the Spirit is making available to you and I 24-7, 365, and to all of those around us, the grace of God knows no end. And that grace of God that offers you and I salvation is the grace that offers salvation to all those out there. Would you and I go, empowered by His Spirit and presence, to be conduits, as Pastor Andrew perfectly read, vessels for God's purposes this week. Vessels of His grace and of His love. God bless you. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you tomorrow for our Advent time.